night. Very excited. Please be in prayer. Be in prayer for everything this evening. There's a lot of work going on even now as across the road they're preparing the meal. And then, uh, of course, our, for our choir, our sound crew, everyone uh, be in prayer for that. As you turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 67. But yeah, I was reading this past week, uh, the website, it's called capitalcounselor.com. It's a, a financial counseling resource. And this particular website uh, posted recently a list of statistics from Christmas spending during the last year, the 2020 season. And based on uh, their study from last year, they make projections about Christmas spending in the United States for 2021. I want to share just a few of their insights with you, and some will amaze you. One, the average person, based on uh, statistical projection, that's easy to say, isn't it? Um, is the average person will spend $650 on Christmas gifts alone. Women, you probably would know this, will spend twice as much, not money, but twice as much time contemplating and purchasing gifts as do men. The average woman will spend about 20 hours during this season uh, purchasing gifts or the process of purchasing, purchasing men about 10 hours. And this is amazing. 61% of people anticipating receiving a gift they do not want, which would lead them to return the gift. <laughs> not to the giver, but wherever it was purchased. $15.2 billion of gifts in the United States alone will be returned after Christmas Day. You know, giving and receiving is a part of this season. It's very interesting, and, and we've noted this before, that it is Jesus' birthday that we're celebrating, yet we spend so much time giving gifts to each other. Usually with the birthday, the birthday boy is the one who receives the gifts. We talked about the opportunity for us to give to Jesus during this Christmas season, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and they're offering envelopes at the table in the back. And let me encourage you during the month of December and January to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. 100% goes to support missionaries who are on the field. But in this season, when everybody else gives gifts to one another, it is interesting that Jesus, uh, the one for whom we celebrate, does not receive gifts. But as we look at our text this morning, and we're going to look at it in just a moment, we're going to see the one whom we celebrate, that he actually is a giver of gifts. Wouldn't it be unusual to show up at someone's birthday, and I guess it can happen if someone's older, and they're giving everyone else gifts. Today we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ in four specific gifts that he gives to every person who would open that gift. You know, we're in the midst of a series of messages titled, What a Savior. And there's an excellent 
exclamation point there, not a question mark at the end of that. And the focus of these four weeks of study leading up to Christmas is how great in nature and person our Lord Jesus Christ is. He's matchless in that. Last week we looked in Hebrews chapter 2. And we saw really the three purpose clauses there. We saw uh, what Jesus came to do. He came so that first he would be our substitute. He came to this earth so he might live a perfect life and die as a perfect substitute for us. He came, we saw also last week, so that death and the devil would be defeated. He dealt a death blow. We look back at Genesis 3.15 and that prophecy uh, that points to the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then also in relation to God the Father, he came to satisfy and to prove that God's justice and God's mercy can go hand in hand. God's justice demands that he judge sin. God's mercy demands that he shows mercy to us as sinners. And so God took upon himself his own son, Jesus Christ, the, the sin debt that was due to us. This morning, we're going to look at the words of Zechariah, one of the last prophets to speak before Jesus' birth. And we're going to see today, as I shared just a moment ago, that God, through Jesus Christ, he's our great God because, in part, he's a giving God. He doesn't take, he gives. When you awaken this morning, you didn't awaken yourself. It is an act of grace to God. When you awakened in your right mind, you were blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to do that. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 67. Zechariah is prophesying here, and it said that John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He's dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham he has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days and you child will be called a prophet of the most high for you John will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew up and became spiritually strong and John was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word today, um, I pray that you would speak your truth we love you, Lord. We thank you for your giving nature. And Lord, we celebrate you today. And Lord, the desire of our hearts is that we give to you, the giver. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The context for these words uh, that Zechariah just breathed uh, was this. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was an older relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when Zechariah was told that his wife would give birth to a child who in turn would be John the Baptist, the scripture tells us earlier in Luke 1 that Zechariah did not believe and because of his unbelief, he was struck and became mute. He could not speak throughout the duration from that point of unbelief until John the Baptist was born. But after John's birth, we see that Zechariah's mouth was open, and boy, when his mouth was open, did he speak. He began to speak, and this priest, for a season, became a prophet, sharing the truth about Jesus and about his son, who would be a forerunner for the Lord Jesus. Uh, throughout Christendom, uh, historians have called this particular passage the Benedictus because it speaks of the blessed nature of our Lord. And so as we have already acknowledged, as we look at these about 15 or so verses uh, this morning, we're going to look at four gifts that God himself gives to us through uh, the Christmas season. Four gifts that Zechariah prophesied. We're going to look at each of those this morning. The first is he gives the gift of redemption. He gives the gift of redemption. John the Baptist was a few months older than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so after John was uh, born, his father Zechariah began to speak these words. I believe as he was speaking these words, Jesus Christ was already conceived of the Holy Spirit, was in his mother's womb. And so uh, Zechariah is prophesying uh, that the Lord Jesus, that God had visited through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've been looking at the incarnation. The incarnation is God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. We talked about last week how the rationalists can have trouble understanding how Jesus could be fully God and fully man. They say that can't be. But I would appeal on the authority of God's word. The creator is not subject to the laws of creation. When we say God can't be something, we as the creation are trying to define the creator. And it doesn't work that way. And so Jesus, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, at this time he had been conceived. And Zechariah was speaking words of prophecy that the incarnation, the way he states it, he has visited us. We saw last week in Hebrews the way the incarnation was stated was that for a short time Jesus was what? He became lower than the angels. Even though he was fully uh, creator, he submitted himself to take on the nature uh, of man. And so he says here, he has visited us. He has visited us. God is not some transcendent being uninterested in our lives. He's intricately and intimately concerned about every one of us. He loved us so much that he became flesh. We saw last week that threefold purpose in it, but Zechariah announces a purpose here, and we see it in verse 68, that he has visited us and, as a result, provided redemption for his people. 
Our sin brings a debt. And that sin debt we cannot pay. No matter how good we might seek to be, we cannot pay for our own sin. The Lord Jesus Christ became flesh to take upon himself our sin. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, For I do not frustrate or try to set aside the righteousness of God, uh, because if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, what he's saying there is if I could get to heaven by being a good person, why would God have sent Jesus to die? He sent Jesus to die because we cannot get to heaven. We cannot be in right standing with God by what we do. We must acknowledge that he has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now some people say this redemption, what was this price? To whom was the price paid? Was it paid to God? Was it paid to the devil? Was it paid in general to the law? I don't want to get caught up in all of that because the focus of the redemption is the freedom through the price that was paid. The focus of the fact that Jesus redeemed us is he had to redeem us because our sin comes at a negative cost. In fact, redemption speaks to a price being paid to release someone or something from another. During this series of messages, we are focusing on the fact that Jesus became flesh. He had to become flesh in order to pay the price for our sins. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know, Peter writes, that you were redeemed, there's that word, from an empty way of life inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus came. And in his coming, Zechariah lets us know there's the gift of redemption. He paid the price of our sin. But I want you to see a second thing. The second gift is this. He gives salvation. He gives salvation. That's what verse 69 says. He has raised up a horn which speaks to power, a power of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. In the house of his servant, in other words, from the line of David. And so Jesus has come to raise up to provide salvation for our sins. Years ago when I was growing up, sometimes during the summer, about mid-morning, I would watch a game show. It was called Let's Make a Deal. It was hosted by Monty Hall. And I used to love to watch the game show. If you've ever watched it, you know where I'm going with that. Uh, people dress up in crazy costumes, chickens, pigs, superheroes or whatever, to try to get the attention of the host so that he will involve them in the process of them potentially winning a lot of money or a prize and if you ever watch the show I think it's still on today I don't watch it uh, but when I was young there were two aspects to the show there were what you would call the stage presence of the show that's where you would have the three curtains or the three doors and inevitably uh, behind one of them there would be just the nicest gift you could find, and one of them maybe a so-so gift, and the third one would be something like a trailer of straw. And I'm thinking, if somebody won that, would they take it down a freeway in, in Los Angeles away from, from the studio there? 
But there was a second aspect to the show, and I liked it better than the stage part. It's when he would come down in the audience, and if you've seen it, you know where I'm going with this. And it would be, rather than three choices, it would get down to two choices. And maybe something's revealed on the stage, or maybe some amount of money is in his hands. And he said, would you want to take this, or do you want to take that? And usually there would be some small box. And then people sometimes would be amazed that there would be an enormously valuable object in the small box. When Jesus came to us, he came as a baby. Those didn't even begin to understand what a valuable gift that he was giving by coming to us, and it's called salvation. Zechariah speaks of it here in verse 69. Zechariah was speaking fully the word of God, but he, I don't even believe he understood how vast this gift of Jesus is. But he knew it was special. Because as he's speaking here, he's speaking about his son, but he's speaking even more about Jesus. Now, you know, uh, we all love to talk about our own children, don't we? Um, our children are the best. They, they, they've done the best of everything if you're ever around people. And I love that because we should brag about our own children and, and we should be proud of our own children. It's just if everybody else could be as proud of them as we are, right? But here, under the inspiration of God, is a man who's speaking of his son, but he's speaking of Jesus as even greater. In other words, his son would bring knowledge of salvation only as he brought knowledge of Jesus Christ. His son would be a forerunner to one who was greater. And so here we see that Jesus is the one who gives salvation. Now, salvation implies need. If I'm not in difficulty, if I'm not in parable, I don't need to be saved. If I'm not sinking in a river, I don't need anyone to save me. But if I am, I certainly need it. Spiritually speaking, all of us need a Savior. The, the, the thing that pulls us down under the water is our sin. And our sin, while it may be a trivial thing to us, objectively is not a trivial thing to God. It leads us to be separated from God in the life that he desires for us. But praise God, he gave us Jesus to pay the price of our sin to save us from sin. Have you trusted in him? Have you come to the end of yourself and said, Lord, I need you in my life. I need the salvation that you can give. But I want you to see a third thing. He gives light. He gives light. Zechariah announces in verse 78, because of our God's merciful compassion. God is a compassionate God. What does he say? The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah is announcing here that when Jesus came, the gift of light came into the world remember Jesus is still in Mary's womb here as uh, Zechariah is prophesying and he's saying he's bringing light into darkness uh, a few uh, weeks ago it's probably been a couple of months ago um, one of my heroes Charlie Falbo was staying with us and if y'all know Charlie a World War II veteran and 
just a tough guy. But he's 97 years old, came all the way down from Buffalo. I, I think I shared one morning, I heard a boom, boom, boom. And I thought, what in the world's going on? This 97-year-old man had fallen on our hardwood floor, and by the time I could get in there, he got himself back up. He's a tough guy. Um, but when he was staying with us, I knew he was not familiar with our home, and the darkest room is our guest bedroom, so if you don't like light, you would like that room. But I began to think at age 97, were he to awaken at the night, maybe not realize where he was, he would need a light. So Karen and I put a night light in the room, the bathroom adjoining, so at least he could gain his bearings. Why is that? Because light gives clarity. People, we're living in a confused and confusing world. Darkness is with confusion. Light is with clarity. There are people today that try to say, well, the answer is this. You just got to get this intellectual pursuit. You just got to follow this political viewpoint. You've just got to do this. You've got to do that. But none of those things are the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We just finished a series of messages. Jesus said that of himself. I'm the light of the world. Light contrasts darkness. There's not light darkness or dark lightness, that refrigerator light we've talked about before. At some point, and I don't know where it is, when you close that door, it's off, and when you open it, it's on. And when Jesus Christ came into this world, the light of the world entered. Sin and darkness and death have to do with confusion. Jesus came to expel the darkness. Sin is darkness, and Jesus knew no sin. He knew no sin, and thus he was able to provide the perfect sacrifice to shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death. You know, I love reading prophecy. I love today uh, studying about it as we see Zechariah prophesying. I, I love the prophecy in regard to Jesus' second coming. I love how in Zechariah chapter 14, the Old Testament prophet speaks of Jesus' earthly reign as a time when the sun will not need to shine. The holy city will be raised up and Jesus himself will be the light of the world. I love in Revelation 22 when it speaks of our eternal state, how in heaven that Jesus will be the eternal light. We don't have to worry about this world rotating and having times of darkness. The light of the world will physically be on this earth. I wonder today, do you know the light of the world? But I want you to see a fourth gift he gives. He doesn't only give redemption, salvation, and light, but he gives peace. You know, among the fruit of the Spirit, love is the first mention, but they're all important. And, and it if we were honest with ourselves, one of the greatest needs this world has and one of the greatest needs that we have is peace. The final gift Jesus brings as expressed here is that of peace. We talk of peace at the Christmas season. We have an ornament on our tree with peace. You'll see the word used frequently. We were at the Longwood Holiday Dinner, and it was a, a wonderful time the other night, and the president, um, before they had a choral uh, uh, blessing, spoke how 
his desire would be that there would be peace on earth. We all would agree with that. But verse 79 tells us that peace comes through one avenue. The light, that is Jesus, will guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace is a gift that we can receive that God desires to give us through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth unto you, thus I give to you. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. That's subjective peace. I don't know about you, I like subjective peace. I like to be able to go home this afternoon and sit in my recliner and be at peace enough where I can take an hour nap, okay? I heard one person, a uh, preacher was saying, some guy fell asleep in, in church. It might have been my own dad. And uh, I don't know, we used to tease my dad about it. He said he was resting his eyes. But the preacher, one, whoever he was talking about that time, said, well, if somebody can fall asleep, maybe they're at least at peace with themselves. It wasn't that he preached a boring message. It was they were at peace with themselves. We enjoy subjective peace. I don't want conflict. But the peace that Jesus Christ gives is an objective peace. And by that, I mean every one of us has transgressed God's law. As good as we try to be, and I'm a preacher, if it's not in thought, it's in word. If it's not in word, it's in action. Not one of us is perfect. The Bible says, no, not one. We need peace with God. We need to be in right standing with God. And the only way... It's through the light of the world, Jesus Christ. He gives us that peace. Listen to Colossians 1.20. God, through Jesus, reconciled everything to himself, making peace, objective peace, a, a direct peace with God through his blood. The only way we'll be restored to right standing with God is by saying, Lord Jesus, save me. Be my light. Be my peace. You know, what a Savior we serve. I'm excited to be able to sing about him tonight. I know my fellow choir members are, uh, the actors. I know they're excited uh, because tonight our desire is to lift up the name of Jesus. He is a giver by nature. And during this season as we celebrate his birth, let's remember these four gifts about which Zechariah speaks. He gives redemption. He gives salvation, he gives light, and he gives peace. You know, our house is pretty much fully decorated for Christmas. I've even sent out Christmas cards. I can never beat Brenda Singer, though. I always get one. I thought I had her beat. I put it in the mailbox, and I went to the mailbox later that day, and she evidently beat me by two days because I, I got the one that she sent. Our house is fully decorated as well as could be. Um, and yes, Aletheia, there are no wise men on my nativity scene. All right, wherever you see that, that's not the Bible. Because the wise men came to the house, not to the manger. They came weeks later, not there. And uh, the reason I mentioned Aletheia is I said that last year, and as a joke, we had this nativity scene set, and she set these contrasting little things that were wise men and it took me about two, two days to figure out before I removed them. 
But the wise men had something right. When they came to Jesus, they brought something. I wonder today, will you give to the giver? You say, what can I give to him? It doesn't have to be a lot. He took a few loaves and some fish. He approved the, the, the gift of a, a widow who gave two small mites, two small coins of not a lot of economic value. The best thing you can give the Lord is your life to say, Lord, I give myself to you. I don't understand all about it. I don't understand everything. I give myself to you. Maybe God's calling you to give your service to him. Maybe God's calling you to give financially to him. Maybe God is calling you to give the gifts that he has given back to him by ministering in this community. We serve a giving God. It's only right that we give back in return. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you for the words of Zechariah today. And Lord, you are a great Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. You are so giving. Father, we're celebrating your birthday, and you keep giving and giving and giving. And Lord, it's, it's our desire that we just stop the deal of taking and taking, and we acknowledge you and give ourselves, give our gifts, give our time to you. Father, we love you, and we just lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an